0: imagine a scenario where you're in the mood for a true crime podcast. You take out your headphones and press play on the first recommendation. You're excited to delve into an eerie and chilling case. Is someone missing? Is there a conspiracy about to be uncovered? As you listen to the beginning, you're met with a startling surprise. The podcast sucks. And now imagine that you're listening to a different podcast, one that exceeds your expectations. The storytelling is well done. The details are thoroughly researched. The music is chilling and unsettling. And then there's the best part. You get to listen to my deep and creepy voice. When you listen to Still Unsolved, you get to join us as we bring the true crime genre back to its roots. Every week, we highlight different cases of missing persons wanted felons, unsolved murders, and the truly bizarre occurrences of life. Subscribe to Still Unsolved wherever you like to listen to your podcasts and join us with your help. Some of these cases may no longer be an unsolved mystery.
1: You're listening to True Crime Feed. Welcome to True Crime Feed. I'm your host, Angela Ferrari, reviewing the best true crime podcasts from the past decade with a teensy bit of humor, plus my top three true crime picks of the week. First on the docket, here's a show from the archives I think you will really enjoy. And if you don't, I will enjoy it enough for the both of us let's discuss the incredible case of the P.I. moms from This American Life. Here's a synopsis from the show page. What do you get when you take a private investigation firm, toss in a bunch of sexy soccer moms, then add official sponsorship from Glock Firearms, a lying boss, and delusions of grandeur? This week's story, that's what you get. I cannot wait to go on this ride with you all. And to take your enjoyment to the max, make sure you go to the thetruecrimefeed.com and sign up for my newsletter where I curate visual aids to accompany the show. Key players this week are Chris Butler, a.k.a. the wannabe Charlie to his angels, Carl Marino, Chris' is number two at the agency, the P.I. Moms, and the ride-along reporter Peter Crooks. Already, there are few things I love more on this earth than old school episodes of This American Life. It's the program that ignited my love and passion for podcasts. I remember stumbling across the show on the radio over a decade ago and thinking, what is this? A whole universe of stories that run the gamut from the delightfully weird to the most heartbreaking human experiences. For those of you who don't know, here's how the format for This American Life works. Each week they choose a theme and put together different kinds of stories on that theme. Mostly it's journalism, but an entertaining kind of journalism that's built around plot. Sometimes they dedicate a whole episode to a single story and those ones are usually my favorite. And whole true crime themed episodes of This American Life are on my top shelf. I'll explore more of my favorite This American Life stories in future episodes. But for now, here we have the incredible case of the P.I. Moms. It originally aired back in 2011, but listening now, it's like the story hasn't aged a day. I'm not sure how they've kept it so tight, like maybe some minor cosmetic podcast surgery. Whatever it is, the case of the P.I. Moms still got it, baby. So let's get into it and go undercover back to 2009, Concord, California. A former cop turned private investigator named Chris Butler has a hunch. A hunch that could eventually yield him fame, wealth, and a PI empire if he plays his cards right. You see, Chris just made a new hire at his agency, Butler & Associates Private Investigations, Inc., Her name is Charmaine Peters, and she doesn't fit the usual mold. You know the type, the old cigar-smoking man who rocks sunglasses indoors and refuses to touch a steering wheel without first squeezing his man hands into a pair of leather driving gloves kind of type. But not this gal. Charmaine is not a former member of law enforcement either. In fact, she hasn't been employed since she had her first child over a decade ago. But she is an ace at collecting dirt on people. And Charmaine Peters also happens to be a soccer mom. Chris can't believe he never thought of this before. What a perfect untapped resource. Soccer moms can blend in anywhere with their minivans and unassuming athleisure wear. Soccer moms are naturally friendly and chatty with everyone. You don't need to have your guard up around them and they have patience, keen intuition, and best of all they always come prepared with a variety of nutritious snacks for those long stakeouts. Perfect. Chris Butler hires a small fleet of PI moms, Charmaine, Denise, and Michelle. They mostly investigate low-risk cases, cheating spouses, that sort of thing running surveillance and gathering evidence that can be used in future divorce settlements. And they're starting to garner attention in the press, first with local coverage, then a feature with People Magazine, a segment on the Today Show, and now their biggest break, a full episode on Dr. Phil. America was fascinated by these PI moms, and soon they were slated for their own reality TV show on Lifetime. And that's when Peter Crooks gets a call from a publicist representing Chris Butler and his PI agency. Peter Crooks is a pop culture writer for a local Bay Area magazine called Diablo. They want Peter, the reporter, to ride along with the soccer moms on an active investigation, and then write a feature about them right before their reality TV show is about to air. Peter can't believe his luck. These gals are set to be launched into stardom, and he gets to write the inside scoop right before they are about to be famous. This is potentially a game-changing feature for Peter Crooks and Diablo magazine. And indeed, it would be, but just not the way Peter imagined. Insert dramatic pause. Uh, Okay, so Peter arrives at Butler & Associates Private Investigations, Inc., Jeez, that's such a mouthful. Are y'all chill if I just start abbreviating it to Bappy? Cool, okay. So reporter Peter arrives at Bappy headquarters for the planning meeting. A wealthy lady has hired Chris and the PI moms to investigate her younger fiance and confirm her suspicions that he is having an affair. The client is sus because her man has been increasing his trips to the gym, both in frequency and duration. And yet, his pecs and delts aren't looking any buffer. Recently, after he came back from the gym, she took a peek inside his duffel bag. To her dismay, his workout clothes were still clean and neatly folded. I just want to be sure... To know one way or the other if something is going on. The client cries. One of the PI moms is there to console with a box of tissues. Ah, Moms are always so prepared. They firm up the logistics and set the date for their secret spy mission with Peter the reporter. A few days later, they all meet at the arranged rendezvous point. Chris Butler rolls in on his decked out Harley, sporting his fancy leather boots. His look is very cop meets cowboy, meets biker, basically three fifths of the entire village people in one ensemble. He also has some very extreme facial hair going on. I have photos in the visual aids, but I'll do my best to paint a word picture for you. It's like if you take the letter D, make the curve skinny and the edge super thick, Then tip it flat side down and you have yourself Chris Butler's beard and mustache. You gotta see this thing for yourself. It's a choice and a really weird one. So they load up the minivan with cameras and microphones. Chris stays behind with his hog while the PI moms, Denise and Charmaine, and Peter the reporter drive to their next checkpoint. They park inconspicuously near a fancy gated neighborhood and wait for their target. He's right on time, on the move in his black jaguar. They follow behind in the minivan, tailing him to a 24-hour fitness center. The subject is dressed in sweats, carrying a gym bag, and he heads inside. Huh, maybe this guy isn't a cheater after all. Uh, oh, I spoke too soon. Okay, so the subject comes back out 10 minutes later wearing a nice classy cash outfit perfect for a day date they follow him to another parking lot where the subject picks up a young brunette woman she hops into the jag and the two take off the surveillance minivan is hot on their tail reporter peter is a little nervous that they are following so close at one point the subject makes a wrong turn and has to pull an illegal ue the minivan repeats the maneuver peter asks Don't you think we're being too obvious? This guy's not going to notice the same van has been following him all morning? The moms reassure Peter. Those two are in their own little love bubble. They are clueless to anything around them. I guess that makes sense. Then Peter wonders where they're going. He notices signs for Napa Valley. It looks like they're headed up to wine country. He offers. Shh. Don't assume, just observe. Denise and Charmaine sing song in unison like Mary P.I. Poppins. Finally, the Jaguar pulls off the highway. The couple parks at a discount jewelry store and shop for a little while. Then they move on to a Napa restaurant, the Rutherford Grill. Remember that name. In the restaurant parking lot, cameras rolling, Denise catches the couple kissing on video. She couldn't have got a better shot if they had planned it. The couple walked and paused to smooch right in front of the van. Perfectly in frame, primo director's cut. Reporter Peter and the PI moms follow the cheating couple into the restaurant. The place is packed. The only seats available are right next to the couple. Peter is getting nervous. Charmaine orders ribs. From their seat, they could hear every word of the cheating couple's conversation. You look hot today. I am hot. I'm sweating. I'd like to lick that sweat off of you. I'd like that. Reporter Peter later recalls that this guy had quite the knack for turning everything into super overt sexual innuendo. I'm talking single entendre here. And the girl replied affirmatively to everything, but in a completely monotone voice it was bizarre their conversation continues i was thinking about going horseback riding tomorrow yeah where do you go horseback riding Uh, i've got some friends who have a stable out in bollinger canyon huh is that where we got that hotel room that night that was a wild night peter can't believe what he's hearing their conversation is all lurid with no passion this version of infidelity is nothing like he's seen before Clearly, the client should just leave this bozo and settle down with someone nice from, uh, okay, Cupid. At this point, the PI moms clearly have enough evidence for the client to prove that her fiance is very much a cheater. Mission complete, right? Not so fast. This day is about to get even weirder than Chris Butler's facial hair. Reporter Peter and the PI moms finish lunch and go back to the van. The cheating couple is still inside working on their second bottle of wine. Out in the parking lot, another hot young couple rolls up in a sleek Mustang convertible dressed to the nines. They get out and greet the moms. Hey Carl, hi Alona. Wait, you know these people? Reporter Peter asks. He learns they are backup investigators who are going in to pick up surveillance where the moms left off. What more evidence do they need, Peter wonders. Plenty, as it turns out. As Peter and the PI moms are en route back to Bappy headquarters, they are receiving updates on the cheating couple via text from the undercover investigators Carl and Alona. Made contact with subject. We are talking to them and taking pics together. They are drunk. They just invited us back to their hotel. Peter is shocked. That escalated fast. We're gonna make a detour, Charmaine says. Minivan tires screech. They pull up to a Holiday Inn. There's the Jag and the Mustang parked side by side. And now Chris Butler is rolling up on his hog. And look, the client is with him. She insisted she had to see the evidence for herself. And she goes ballistic, crying and falling into the back of a trunk. This whole scene is bananas and Peter can't believe it. He has the perfect scoop for his Diablo feature, a salacious sizzling story of the P.I. moms catching a cheater in the act. Fast forward a few months later, while Peter is at home typing away, putting the final flourishes to his story, he receives a strange message. Hello, I'm writing this as a courtesy to you. It would be a mistake to publish the article on the P.I. Moms and Chris Butler that you came and did a story on a few months ago. Chris totally played you. The case that you sat in on was totally scripted. Signed, Rutherford. What? Reporter Peter doesn't know what to think. There's no way all of those people were acting. Then he gets a second message. It's the exact itinerary of their, quote, investigation. Point by point, the gym, the jewelry store, the restaurant, the hotel, with the exact times and addresses. It was all a lie, and Peter was their mark. Why on earth would Chris Butler stage a whole fake investigation just for a low-level reporter from a small publication? And who was Rutherford? What do you think? What's Peter going to do, you guys? Maybe hire some PI grandmas to investigate the PI moms? Culminating in a mid-speed minivan chase? Unfortunately, no. Instead, reporter Peter confronts Chris Butler. He is outraged at these accusations. Chris promises to show Peter definitive proof that everything he saw was real and no one was acting. His bappy agency was too legit to skit. And as unfortunate as that pun I just made, Chris produces no such proof and starts dodging reporter Peter's calls. At this point, Diablo Magazine wants that feature real bad, but the whole thing just kind of stinks. And maybe Peter should kill the story. A month goes by, and he's stuck in this limbo, needing to make a decision fast. That's when he receives another message from Rutherford. I'm hesitant to tell you this. Mr. Butler is involved in some serious criminal activity right now. Butler is very well connected in the police community and with the Narcotics Task Force. I'm not sure who to contact about this, and I assure you that it is serious. Signed, Rutherford. From the start, reporter Peter had a hunch that Rutherford wasn't just some disgruntled employee. He had a feeling this is someone in trouble who needed help, and Peter hatched an idea of exactly how to help Rutherford along with a new angle for his Diablo magazine story. But before we get to that, we get to back the minivan up to 2008. A young actor named Carl Marino answers an ad on Craigslist. Chris Butler is looking for someone with acting and law enforcement experience. Perfect. Carl had been a sheriff's deputy for a short stint. He and Chris hit it off immediately. And Carl Marino works his way up to become director of operations at BAPI. At first, the agency does have a few legitimate clients and cases to work, but they also stage or reenact cases, presenting them as real to the media for publicity. This will help them drum up more real business, and Carl is cool with that. He sees Chris's vision for the future, a reality TV show, a nationwide network of PI moms, franchise offices, and detective schools and Carl gets to be the number two of the whole operation. He's fine to play the part and help Bappy fake it till they make it. Then one day, Carl Marino gets called into Chris Butler's office. He proposes a new job opportunity. You see, the agency is hemorrhaging money. It's costing quite a bit of cash to stage all of these phony cases for the press. Chris needs to buy his time until Bappy takes off, and he has found a creative way to raise some much-needed capital. He asks Carl to help him move drugs, a case of marijuana to start, nine pounds to be exact. And this was back when weed was still super illegal and way more fun, dare I say? Also, side note, I have a whole episode coming up about the, uh, Failed Dare program. So stay tuned and get your t-shirts ready for that one, y'all. Back to Chris Butler's office. Carl looks at the massive amount of weed and then looks at Chris, who nods back and says, Yeah, it's from Uncle. Okay, so I forgot to tell you about a guy named Norm, a.k.a. Uncle Norm, a.k.a. Uncle. At this time, Norm is the highest ranking drug cop in Contra Costa County and he's best chums with Chris Butler. Narcotic Norm loves posing with piles of drugs for the camera after the big bust. He also loves taking that same seized contraband and reselling it on the black market. And now Carl knows. He knows about the drugs. He knows how powerful Norm is. He knows he's in danger if he refuses to comply. Carl knows he knows too much. He reluctantly takes the weed from Chris. But instead of selling it, Carl withdraws money from his own bank account to appease Chris and Uncle Norm while he comes up with a plan. It totally backfires. Wow, that was super fast. Great job, Carl. Here's another 12 pounds to sell. Carl is freaking out and his wife is teed off. We're going to run out of money at this rate. You have to do something. But what's Carl supposed to do? Call the cops? Norm is the highest ranking drug cop in the county. He needs to take Chris and Bappy down somehow. Stop this operation dead in its tracks. Hey, what about that journalist who was just out here from Diablo magazine? Maybe that guy can write an article exposing Chris Butler in his sham operation. And that's when Carl Maloney, a.k.a. Rutherford, reaches out to Peter the reporter. And it just so happens Peter was the perfect confidant. Reporter Peter had a friend in law enforcement outside of Contra Costa County. And since this involved dirty cops, the case gets kicked up to the feds. They ask Carl, aka Rutherford Moroni, to wear a wire and go undercover as an informant. And at this same time, Lifetime Network starts filming their reality show all about the PI moms. Carl is literally gathering sound and video for the DOJ while Lifetime is also filming sometimes the same people at the same time. It sounds like a total cluster puck though. The sham scenes they put together for a lifetime keep falling apart. Chris and his D-shaped beard are all butthurt that the P.I. moms are getting more screen time than him. He starts acting jealous, erratic, paranoid. All in all, Chris is being a real pain in the butler. And he's running out of money fast. At this point, Carl Maroney has gathered tons of dirt on Chris Butler. But he hasn't collected direct evidence to implicate Uncle Norm, the narcotics cop. Carl is getting worried that Chris is on to him. And to make matters worse, he recently asked Carl to start selling meth. The stakes couldn't be higher. Carl needed to complete this undercover mission once and for all. He would soon get his chance. One day, while Carl is waiting in Chris's office to meet for the meth reup, up he gets a tip from the feds that Chris is not alone. Uncle Norm is with him. Carl starts to panic. Norm is never with Chris for the drug exchange. This is bad. Maybe they know he's working as an informant and they are going to kill him. His mind is racing, especially because he knows they are always both heavily armed and he is not. Norm is surely going to pat him down and spot the recording devices. Carl thinks fast and hides everything out of sight just before they walk in. But it's totally chill. Carl didn't need to panic. Norm was just there to help Chris install a hidden camera in a coffee pot. Not sure why, but cool bruh. They're all joking around and Norm starts openly talking about drugs and money. Screw it. Carl is finally going to put an end to this. He discreetly retrieves a device from the other room and secretly records audio and video of Uncle Norm weighing meth and counting cash. Later on, the feds will remark that this is some of the best footage they have seen. Perfect camera angles and pristine sound. James Cameron wishes. The news breaks in Contra Costa County of the prominent narcotics cop and the PI selling drugs. The Lifetime show gets canceled. Both men are indicted on 28 felony charges. Chris Butler was sentenced to eight years and Norman Welsh was sentenced to 14. Reporter Peter Crooks writes a bombshell hit piece for Diablo Magazine and later writes a whole book on this incredible story. The only big bummer is that Lifetime won't release the footage from their failed reality show. But dude, imagine if they turned it into a true crime docu-series. It would be huge. Their answer to Tiger King. People would be dressing up like Chris Butler and his dumb D-beard and the P.I. moms for Halloween. Think about it, Lifetime, and call me. I'd be perfect for the P.I. Mom reenactments because I always have juice boxes on hand and I own all 46 Kids Bop albums. And I'm not even a mom. They're just bangers. But if that doesn't get greenlit, I'm just going to have to start my own super secret undercover private investigatory agency. Let me know if you want to join everybody, but keep it on the down low. We don't want no phony D-beard posers trying to join our cool Kids Bop undercover club. yay yeah, yeah, we did it The incredible case of the pi moms it's one of my favorites I just love it and I left out a lot of juicy tidbits you can hear on the full episode of this American Life and in Peter Crooks's Diablo magazine feature. so check those out if you want more dirty deeds. Tell me your thoughts on today's episode. You can email me directly at Angela at the true crime or join the true crime feed, Facebook discussion group. Keep an open mind and don't be a D beard. Stay tuned till after the break to hear my top three podcast power ranking of the week. Ah, hey you. I'm so glad we found each other and get to share our special love for true crime podcasts. I don't ever want you to miss out on a wild story. That would be a crime in itself. So be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on your podcast app and share your favorite episode with a friend so the next time you see each other, you can splurge about your latest true crime obsession. Thanks for spreading the word. And now back to the show. And we are back. Here are the three shows currently trending that I think are worth a listen. I present to you this week's podcast power ranking. At the number three spot, we have The Retrievals. Here's a synopsis from the show page. Dozens of women seeking to become mothers came to a fertility clinic at Yale. The Retrievals is a five-part narrative series about the shocking events that unfolded there. This show comes from Serial Productions and the New York Times. They are great at selecting compelling stories, but sometimes the delivery can be kind of smug and condescending. Lucky for us, The Retrievals doesn't carry that same smarmy tone, but it's not going to be for everyone. So far, I've listened to episode one, and I'll just say the first 10 minutes are excruciating. Um, I don't want to go into details, but it's it's truly painful to listen to. And then you learn around minute 12 that these women were going through these procedures. They were being fed saline solution instead of pain meds. The pain meds, i.e. fentanyl and other opioids, are being diverted. That's all I'll say for now. If you're on the fence, minute 12-ish is a good place to start your journey with the retrievals. Yeah. At the number two spot, we have Freeway Phantom. Here's a rundown from the show. Between 1971 and 1972, six black girls went missing in the Washington, D.C. area. Their bodies were discarded alongside D.C. freeways, and their killer was never found. The media dubbed him the Freeway Phantom. The series has wrapped. They did a great job, but they took it as far as they could. It feels a little in limbo now because the case hasn't been solved. It's in the hands of the new investigators, internet sleuth, the public, anyone who wants to remain diligent and solve this mystery of the freeway phantom. And at the number one spot, we have the band teacher. Here's a synopsis from the show. He says it was consensual sex. She says it was rape. He was her music teacher, and she was a teen. And it wasn't just once with one girl. He had sex with students in closets, classrooms, and cars. The band teacher begins with one victim's search for justice, but turns into a full investigation. This show comes from CBC Radio. They have done some other prestige-style true crime podcasts, including Connie Walker's Missing and Murdered. They give the same respect and thoughtful treatment to this story, obviously a super hard subject matter to hear, but instead of exploiting the victims, they are empowering them with this series. This is white hat podcasting that has the power to bring meaningful change. And it is hard to listen to, but it's worth your time to tune in to The Band Teacher, and that's spelled B-A-N-N-E-D. Now for my miss of the week. We have Scamanda. Here's a reminder of what this show is about. Amanda is a wife, a mother, a blogger, a Christian, a charming, beautiful, bubbly young woman who lives life to the fullest. But Amanda is dying with a secret she doesn't want anyone to know. She starts a blog detailing her cancer journey and becomes an inspiration Touching and captivating her local community as well as followers all over the world. Until one day investigative producer Nancy gets an anonymous tip telling her to look at Amanda's blog. Setting Nancy on an unimaginable road to uncover Amanda's secret. I don't know about y'all but I feel like I got scammed listening to this. Of the eight long, grueling episodes, only two were really worth listening to. There was no payoff. You knew she was lying the whole time. But you still don't fully get how she pulled this whole thing off. You don't get definitive answers about how much her husband was involved or her church or pastor. They set you up with all of these teasers and then they don't deliver. Okay, it's like if you get invited to a fancy dinner party... You arrive starving, and there's a beautiful table set. Flower bouquets, crystal glassware, polished silver, like a Pinterest board dream. You take a seat, eager for the promise of a delicious meal to match the beautiful setting. But the food never comes. Ever. And after eight long hours, the hostess offers you one of those marshmallowy butter mints, which, yeah, delicious, but not enough to fill me up. Then ushers you out because the party's over. Scamanda deserves a table flip for putting me through that. I was wrong for recommending it. I'm sorry we ever crossed paths. This reporting, if you even wanna call it that, was more tease than my hair at a middle school dance. Scamanda, you are scamoffle. And now, down you go through my podcast queue trap door. Ah, that felt good. Okay, find out next week if the band teacher will stay at the number one spot as this series continues or if another show will take its place. Let me know what trending shows are in your top three and what show fell through your podcast queue trap door. I'll meet you back here next week to dust off another superb true crime show from the archive for your next feeding fix. That's all for today's True Crime Feed. Don't forget to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I post links to my top three favorite shows of the week and bring you fabulous visual aids for every episode. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to join the conversation. And if you enjoy the show, please leave a review and tell your fellow partners in crime to tune in to True Crime Feed. Thanks for riding along and allowing me to be your audio accomplice. Join me next week for another feeding.